All right, so what I want you to do this morning is, first of all, say that if this is your first time here, you're really welcome, and we'd love to get to know you. We'd, we'd love to uh, have coffee with you, have a chat with you, answer your questions, whatever you need to know, but it, it's great that you're here this morning, and thank you for coming. Um, I just wanted to explain before I, I, I really sort of got into the meat of what, what I'm going to talk about this morning, kind of where I'm coming from, why I want to say it. Um, when Cheryl and I started this church, there were certain core foundational values that we wanted and, and God had told us to be part, uh, that, that needed to be part of the church. And that's, you know, the, the message that we preach is those values. And the message that we preach is one of grace. That is, God loves us and it's not based on our merits, but it's based on what Christ has done. And that we receive his blessings, we receive everything he has for us, we receive the benefits of the victory that Christ won on the cross by faith. Now that means one thing, it, put in simple terms, it means that we look at, we, we've got this word and we intend to believe it. Yeah. And we intend to see it. And we intend to see it come to pass in increasing measure. And, that, and that's what we're about, that's what we're about. Now the second value is this, that that we would know how much God loves us, that we, would, uh, that we would know that his love for us is unconditional. That is, that he died for us when we didn't care about him, when we didn't want to know him, when we were stuck in our sins. And, because, and, and he did that because he loves us. And that doesn't change. He loves us, no matter what we've done, what we've been through, or where we're at right now. He loves us. And the third element, and, and, and God gave us this as a really important foundation, is that we would be a church family, a body, who were rooted and grounded in love for each other. So what, we, what, we, what, we try, what we're trying to do is be family, build family, know that we're family, be there for each other, care for one another, look out for each other, uh, forgive one another, um, share with one another, live together because Jesus said this he, he said this is how people know you're my disciples and he didn't say because you've got great doctrine and he didn't say because you do your service right and he didn't say because you're religious and he didn't say because you're good enough what he said is this is how people know that you're really my followers if you love one another so Jesus makes this this measure of love the biggest measure of the kingdom and today you know Easter Sunday, we see, all over the Easter weekend, we see that love demonstrated at the cross and by the resurrection, which gives us new life. And it's that love that I want to talk about this morning, but I want to talk about one particular aspect of it. And I've got this, God gave me this title, but he, he didn't give me the talk to go with it for quite a while. But he gave me this title, and the title is Love Like Jesus. Love Like Jesus. That's, that's what... That's, that's what um, God is looking for from us, that we are people who love like him. He, he's, not, he's not looking for us to be uh, good church people. He's looking for us to be people who love like him. So I want to talk this morning about loving like Jesus. And when we look at the cross, one of the things that, that we, we know and we've been preaching on for like weeks now is that at the cross, Jesus dies in our place. 
but he also wins a victory in our place. And that, that, that victory is in a number of different areas. It's in the area of healing. It's the area, in the area of new life. It's in the area of forgiveness for sins. It's in the area of deliverance. It's the area of being set free. It's, the area, it's in the area of, of having the bondage of poverty broken off us. It's in all those areas. But I'm going to narrow it down to one area this morning. And that's the area of forgiveness. So when we talk about loving like Jesus, we're talking about forgiving like Jesus. And when I say this word love, the question is what sort of love? Because in English we have one word and it's love. But it means a whole variety of things. You know, I love chocolate eggs. I'm not allowed any at the moment because I'm getting bad looks from the front already from Cheryl. Um, I love chocolate eggs. I love the people in this room. I love my wife. Now, that's love in a whole lot of different ways. So when we say love like Jesus, what are we talking about? And the Bible, even in the New Testament, in Greek, they had four words for love. And there's two main ones I want to talk about this morning, just to sort of narrow it down. There's a Greek word phileo, and there's a Greek word agape. Now, phileo is kind of the love that you have for people because you're part of the same family or you're part of the same organisation or you've got things in common. You get along with each other. You, you look out for each other. You care for each other. Kind of like, you. I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. And, and we all like get along with each other. So you can say, well, I, I love that person who lives three doors from me, but I'm not so keen on the one that lives four doors on me. So I've got phileo love for the one three doors away. Do you get the idea? Now, when we're talking about loving like Jesus, he doesn't, he doesn't work like that. He, he loves everybody with a certain type of love. And it's not based on whether we love him back. And that love is called agape. And that's love as God himself has it. Go with me to uh, John chapter, uh, well, first letter of John 3.16. Now, if you haven't got your Bibles, don't worry about it. It's up on the screen. If you have got your Bibles, look it up by all means because you know you don't want to get misled by any of these preachers that just quote stuff out of context. So 1 John 3.16. By this, we know what love is. Now that word love there is agape. That's the, trans that's the one getting translated. Because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay our lives down for our brothers and sisters, brethren. Now, what's that saying? That's saying the type of love that Jesus had for you is demonstrated. You can understand it. You can see what it means by the fact that he would give his life for you. Even if you were the only person on the planet, Jesus would still give his life for you. Now, love's kind of a, a misused concept, isn't it, in our, in our society? And a lot of us, we've got stuff in our lives that isn't very loving. And we've had stuff in our lives that was the opposite of love. You know, we, it's, it's sometimes easier to see what love is by seeing what we haven't got. And so, you know, 
many of you, I guess everybody in this room at some point in their life has experienced something horrible at the hands of others. Something like awful that you would go like, why did, they, why did that happen to me? Why did they do that to me? How could they have done that to me? How, how can there be that level of evil and it, and it come into my life? And some of us, like, we, we, we've suffered this, like, pain and um, hurt and we've been victims of lies and we've been betrayed. Anybody, like, associate with that? And the thing is that Jesus knows that that's real. And Jesus knows it's real because he went through it just the same. He had lies told about. He was betrayed. People did awful things to him that he didn't uh, ever deserve. And... But when we get those things in our lives, there's some things, and, and I, I don't know if you've ever used this sentence, but I'm never going to forgive that. I'm never going to forgive it. I can't, I can't forgive them. And often that's our reaction, isn't it? To when somebody has hurt us in a really deep way. Now the problem is, Jesus says this, go to, with me to Matthew chapter 6, verse 14. So we're looking at, how does Jesus love? And he says this, if you forgive men their sins against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Now, if you've been listening to me preach the last few weeks, you, you need to hang on to the end of the sermon because that'll have triggered something in you. Because this is Jesus and he's teaching, he's teaching the, the, the people he's talking to, he's part of the Sermon on the Mount, and he's talking to them and he's saying forgiveness is a two-way process. And forgiveness hinges around God forgiving you. You see, none of us as natural people have it within us to forgive. Not when somebody's hurt us deeply. As natural people, we don't have it in us to forgive. And you know, as natural people... Our reaction when somebody's done stuff to us is, I don't want to forgive. I don't want to do that. Because how do you forgive something that seems unforgivable? And yet Jesus is saying, you've got to forgive. Because God's forgiving you. You've got to forgive. So how's, how's that work? How do we make that real? How do we love like Jesus loved? Go with me now to Luke chapter 23. We're having a little bit of a, a grand tour today. It's a good job they're up on there, isn't it? Otherwise, you'd like wear your Bible pages out, flipping them over. Um, Luke chapter 23. And I'm going to start at verse 32, 33. Here we got Jesus. And I want to look at, narrow it down to this one place. Jesus hanging on a cross. And there were also two other criminals led with him to be put to death. And when they come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand, one on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they do. And they divide his garments and cast lots. Now, I want you to imagine 
just, it shouldn't be too difficult this time of year because you've seen pictures of it all over the place. I want you to imagine Jesus hanging on a cross. I want you to just picture him. And he's hanging there and next to him on two other crosses are people who are guilty. Who are guilty as accused. And he's hanging there with the same punishment, innocent. And he's going through that. And the thing that comes out of his mouth is, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. And they take them out to this place. And it's a horrible place outside the old walls of Jerusalem. It's called the place of the skull. We call it another word. We call it Golgotha. And they, and they, and they take him out to this place. And they, they, they basically, well, They've already beaten him and uh, just mutilated his body. And then they, they drive nails through his hands to, to nail him to this cross. The two guys on the other side are getting the same treatment, but they deserve it and he doesn't. And the thing about the cross is this. The Romans knew how to kill people. And they knew how to kill people slowly. And they knew how to kill people with the maximum pain. So Jesus is hanging on this cross. He's only a few feet above the ground. He's about that high. That's where his feet are. You know, so, sometimes you have these films and you're looking up at Jesus. He's about there. And he's at a level where, you know, when, when I, don't, I don't want you to gross out, but Often at crucifixions, what would happen is that the, the dogs and the, the, the wild animals would come and like gnaw away at the feet and, and whatever while they were on the cross. That was part of the spectacle. Not only is he suffering that, but on his way there, people have spit at him. They've mocked him. They've lied about him. Those closest to him have betrayed him and walked away. And he's on his own. And Jesus says these words. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that's like, it's kind of like, I often used to wonder, like, what's he talking about? Why has he, he said that? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then I was praying one morning and God showed me kind of what it was like. And we can't imagine what it's like, but, you know, I'll, I'll do my best. Because Jesus had never been separated from the Father and the Holy Spirit. He'd never been on his own, ever. He'd always been in total contact and total communion with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Throughout eternity, that had remained unbroken. Before time, outside of time, they were together. And they had this perfect relationship. A relationship of love, where they loved each other, encouraged each other, built each other. All the good things that, you would, that, that God... Uh, talks to us about doing towards each other, they did towards each other. 
And, and they lived in that place. And yet, all of a sudden, Jesus is cut off for the first time ever. Now, that's kind of hard to, for us to imagine because sometimes we feel like we get close to God and other times we feel like he's a million miles away. Jesus had never been anything but right there with God. And now, God has turned his back. The Father's turned his back. The Holy Spirit's turned his back. Not only have they turned their back, but Jesus is feeling something he has never, ever experienced before. He is feeling sin. You see, at that moment, God turns his back. The weight of your sin bears down on Jesus. Your sin was in his body. It was in his mind. It was in his thoughts. For the first time, Jesus experiences the stuff that goes on in us and that goes on in you. Everyone in this room, every bit of horrible thinking, acts, whatever, Jesus is experiencing for the first time in eternity. The Bible says he became sin for us. He did, it wasn't that he just paid the price for our sins. He actually became sin. And what that meant is that the, 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 the father who he'd been in perfect communion with now judged him instead of you. And so Jesus is not only going through all his pain and he's not only experiencing sin for the first time and he's not only experiencing the fact that the, the father's turned his back and the Holy Spirit's turned his back, but right now the father starts to pour down his wrath on Jesus and his judgment on Jesus. Wave after wave of his judgment on Jesus. And whether it's, it's pride, whether it's gossiping, whether it's bitterness, whether it's addiction, whether it's murder, whether it's, it's infidelity, whether it's cheating, whether it's lying, whether it's stealing, whatever, whatever you've done, right there and then, Jesus is taking the judgment for. And it beats down on him relentlessly until he says he is finished. I have done it all. I've paid the price. I've taken all the judgment. Now, why am I telling you all that? I'm telling you all that because Jesus did all that because he loves you. And Jesus did all that so that you would never have to go through that. And he said, because I love you, I will lay down my life for you. I will go through all this for you. And I'm going to offer you salvation. Not on the basis of what you have done. Not on the basis of all the stuff you have done. Because that has been judged. But I'm going to offer you salvation on a really simple basis. That you believe that I did it for you. And that you receive it. All he's done, nothing you can do. Now, if you think about it, that's obvious, isn't it? Because although I've described it, 
you weren't there. You might have gone there mentally just a few minutes ago, but physically you weren't there. It happened over 2,000 years ago. So you can't change it. You can't affect it. Jesus did it for you and he did it for all of mankind because he loves you. Whoever you are, whatever you've done, he loves you. And he's done it all for you. There's nothing you can add to it. It's finished. It's your choice now. Do you believe it? Or do you just walk away and forget about it? It doesn't change it. Do you believe it? Or do you walk away? And that's the choice he puts before everyone. That's called grace. That's called that Jesus did everything necessary. Faith is when we believe it. Faith is when we take it for ourselves. Faith is when we say, I believe that Jesus died for me and I receive that forgiveness. I receive the fact that he was judged for the sins I should have been judged for. And I'm going to trust in him and put my life in his hands and give him my life and follow him. And that's, that's, what it, that's faith. That's the response to what Jesus has done. Now, let's go back to Jesus on the cross. Jesus says this, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. I think that's amazing, isn't it? That he, he sees it like that. Because I look at me and I go, I know what I'm doing. And I'm still doing it. I know what I'm doing. And Jesus says, no, they don't know what they're doing. Because if they did know what they're doing, they wouldn't be doing it. Here's the point. Jesus has gone through all that. And yet, he's asking God to forgive what seems unforgivable. If somebody did to you what happened to Jesus, could you ever forgive them? Would you have been hanging on that cross going, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing? No, I'd have been wanting to get down off that cross and make sure they got proper sorted out. But I'm not Jesus. And Jesus shows us how we can forgive what looks like it's unforgivable. Now, coming back to where I started, most of us, at some point in our life, have been wounded. Some of us have been abused. Everyone in this room has been hurt deeply by somebody. You've been gossiped about, some of us. Most of us have been lied about. Most of us have been cheated by somebody. Most of us have been betrayed by somebody. A lot of us have been betrayed by spouses. We've come into contact and Christians have treated us badly and non-Christians have treated us badly. You see, one thing that is for certain in this life, because Jesus said you can't avoid it in this life, is that people are going to treat you badly. How many of you have experienced the truth of that fact that people are going to treat you badly? At some, you know, some point in your life, probably at a lot of points in your life. And yet Jesus is saying, these people who are treating me badly, I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to forgive them. Now, often when, when we've been treated badly and we're hurt and we can get bitter about it and we can get mad at God about it. And if we, you know, if we trust in God, we get mad at him. 
Like, why did that happen to me? Why did it happen to me? Why, 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 why is that person seeming to get off scot-free? Why, why is there no justice? So how do I get to live like Jesus? Because in myself, I can't. I can't live like Jesus. And yet, I want to step into all the life he has for me. You see, Jesus took my sins at the cross. But he didn't leave me there. He didn't leave me just being forgiven and taking my sins. He rose again and he gave me new life so that when I believe in him, his spirit comes to live in me. And that means things are different. Whilst I can't do it, whilst I don't want to forgive, whilst I don't want to, uh, to uh, do what Jesus did, my spirit is able to do it. And Jesus, he gives us two things to help us do it. He gives us two things to help us to love like him, to forgive like him. And the first is this. And how many of you know when you get things in the kingdom, they always seem like really weird? Have you noticed that? They always seem back to front, don't they? Why, like, how's that going to work, God? Because the first thing Jesus tells us is pray for those who hurt you. Pray for those who hurt you. And uh, if you look at um, Luke chapter 6, verse 28, and I'll read it out the the New Living Translation, it says this. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. How many of you feel like doing that? I don't. But in my spirit, I am able to do that. And from my spirit, I'm able to do that. And Jesus says, the way to release that is actually to start praying for them. Pray for the people who've abused you, who've hurt you, who spitefully used you, who've lied about you. You know, at various points, Sharon and I have just been like awfully betrayed by Christians and by non-Christians. And we've been lied about. But Jesus says, for those people, how do I respond? He's saying, while you don't want to forgive them, you've got to connect with your spirit and release the love that I put in there. Because it's my spirit. My spirit is one with your spirit. And I gave you that because I'm alive and I'm alive in you. And just like I said on the cross, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Now you can pray, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And, and I read this and it goes, I pray for you. And my first reaction is this. Okay, I'll pray for you. And here's a little quote I found from somebody who, who called, uh, I don't know who they are, Javin Lowenstein. And this he said, this is what he said. So I listened to the preacher as he told me what to do. He said, you can't go on hating others who've done wrong for you. Sometimes we get angry, but we must not condemn. Let the good Lord do his job and you just pray for them. So I pray, I pray your brakes go out running down a hill. I pray a power pot falls on your head from a windowsill. I pray it knocks you on the head and knocks you out like I'd like to do. Just know wherever you are, I'm praying for you. 
Now, something tells me, although I enjoyed reading that and I, I, I get the sentiment, <laughs> something tells me that's not kind of what he meant when he said, pay for your enemies. Go with me to Matthew chapter 5. I love that. <laughs> yeah. How many would you like me to pay for you right now? <laughs> Matthew chapter 5, 34, uh, sorry, 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use and persecute you. Oh, man, that's hard, isn't it? That's really, I mean, I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't go for the everything is awesome approach. But that is jaw-droppingly shocking, isn't it? <laughs> that, that Jesus tells us that that's the way he loves us. And that through our spirits, that's the way we can love. You see, people in, when, when listening to that wouldn't, would have like got, oh man, that's, this, this, is, this is just crazy, Jesus, what you're saying. Because did you know that the Romans, the people who dominated the, the land at that time, they used, to, they, they used to worship and they had a God who represented revenge, who they worshipped. And the, and the Jewish rabbis and the Pharisees and the teachers at that time so for Pharisees, you know, I know they get bad press, uh, scribes, Sadducees, all those sort of people, they all get bad press. But just remember, they were, the, they were the established church of the day. So the church, they were teaching, hate people, and if you've, it's an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, an arm for an arm, and all the rest of it, justice. Now, we all want justice, don't we? We want justice. And... And they're teaching justice, and Jesus said, this is how it works in my kingdom. You love your enemies, you bless those who curse you, you do good to those who hate you, and you pray for those who spitefully use you and abuse you. When you read those words, that's really hard, isn't it? When somebody's done that to you. done that to you over years and years and years, betrayed you, lied about you, abused you, hurt you. It's really hard to get your head around that. Why did Jesus teach that? See, here's some little secrets why Jesus taught that. Because he's saying the second thing is this. So the first thing is, pay for those who hurt you. And the second part is, forgive as you've been forgiven. And the real question is, how do I do that, Jesus? How do I ever move on from that thing that happened? How do I ever move on from that relationship? How do I ever move on from those years and years and years? And Jesus wants to set us free so that our future isn't governed by our past. He wants to set us free 
so that we don't spend every day living in the pain of something that happened 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, five years ago, whatever. And he said, the only way I can do this is if I teach you how to learn, live from the spirit. Because you can't do this in your natural self. And the way I can teach you how your spirit works and how I work is this. You've got to do it before you feel it. You've got to do it before you feel it. You will never forgive somebody if you wait till you feel like it. You know, you might feel different in the middle of worship dancing around, but I'm sure that when you're over there, you won't think, oh, I've got to forgive somebody this morning. That's it. Drawing a line on it. You see, my prayer for others will not change them. Me loving others when they don't deserve it won't change them if they never receive it. My prayer for others, Jesus is not telling us to do it because it's going to make everything all right and it's all going to get reconciled. He's not telling us to do it because there's some sort of magic trick that wipes out history. He's not telling us to do it because by doing that, it'll make everything okay. It won't make everything okay. It happened and you can't change it. And maybe it's still happening. Your prayer for others, your actions of love towards others, probably will never change them. That's not like a fair statement, but unless they become a believer, it won't. They don't see things the way you see it. They don't have Jesus to help them. And so your prayer for others may not change them, but it will always change you. When we pray for others, when we pray for good in their life, it will change our heart and it will set us free. That's what Jesus is saying. And that's why he gave us his spirit. That's why he, he rose from the dead to give us new life. Because we can have new life that isn't dictated by old life. And every morning we get up, we can have new life that isn't dictated by old life. But to step into that new life, we've got to change. Not in a bad way, we've got to change in a good way. And when we pray for others... We place them in God's hands and we set ourselves free and we get changed. And over time, we walk free. You know, um, I've given testimony before about some of the stuff that happened when I was in business and how uh, that I was, you know, that things happened there where there was injustice and I had to trust God and pray for the people who were actually trying to destroy my career. And, and over, over the last 10 years, we've been massively betrayed on two or three occasions and lied about and, and all the rest of it. And those sort of things happen to everybody. I haven't been through what you've been through and you haven't been through what I've been through, but we've all been through some stuff. But so had Jesus when he's hung on that cross. 
And he's going through it on that cross and he's going through it so that you can be given life and so you can be set free from the stuff that happened. And it's still happening. Now, just because there's people who worry about this, I just want to clear up that theological point. where Jesus says, if you don't forgive, the Father can't forgive you. Okay? That seems odd, doesn't it? Because Jesus died for everything. Is, is our salvation contingent on us being able to forgive people? No. Because that's him talking to believers under the law before the cross. For us as believers now, we forgive because we've been forgiven. We forgive because we've got new life and we can do it. We can set people free, even though they don't deserve it, just like Jesus did. Even though they don't deserve it, forgive them. I'll prove that to you. You see, in Colossians 3.13, it says this. Bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone is a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. Forgiving each other because Christ has already forgiven you. We're this side of the cross. So we forgive because we can forgive. And we forgive because God's changing us inside and he's setting us free from stuff. Now, here's, here's how it works. And, I, and I'm going to like, this is coming to the finish. So uh, in a minute, I'm going to ask for the worship team back up. Not quite yet, so just hold on. How do you do this? How do you do this when you don't want to forgive, but you do want to be set free? Jesus says this, and uh, the apostles regularly say this in their letters in different ways. You cast it or roll it over onto God. You see, when you're praying for somebody, you give them to God. You give them to God. You go, God, I want for them what you gave me. I want for them to experience your forgiveness and your love in the way I've experienced it and the way I've um, received it when I didn't deserve it. And so I want you to, to, God, I want you to send laborers into the harvest in front of them so that they might be saved. I want them to, I, I want to bind the plans of the enemy in their life. And I want to loose light. I want to loose truth. I want to loose the, the, the power of the gospel into their life. Even though they don't deserve it, that's what I'm going to pray for them because I've received that from you, Jesus. And if there's going to be any change here, that's what they need. And having done that, having given them over to God, you close the book. You know, we learned the power of this about two years ago. There is a point where you just said, no more hurt. I close the book. And that doesn't mean that that person ceases to exist. It just means... It's not my problem anymore, God. It's yours. And I've given it to you and I refuse to pick it up again. You see, I, I learned a lot from, and she's not here this morning, I learned a lot from Caroline. Uh, she was giving her testimony a few years ago. And, you know, what she's come through in her, her life is remarkable. Just incredible. And, and the, but God gave her this revelation. I think it's just amazing. Because... When we've been hurt, what we want is justice. 
And what if that person never comes and repents to you? What if that person is always the same? And here's what God showed Caroline. So I'm going to show it. I'm going to just tell it to you just to say. There is justice. When you hand somebody over to God, you pray for them that they will uh, come to know God, that they will receive his forgiveness in the way you have, where that they'll get new life. You bind the enemy, you lose light. And, and when you get to that point, it's not your problem anymore. You close the book. And here's what happens. Either that prayer will be answered in this life and they will turn to God, they will be changed and they will come and repent to you. You get justice. Because justice has been done because Jesus took their punishment on the cross the same way as he took yours. That's the better outcome. That's what you're praying for. That's what it means to love your enemies. That was what it means to do good to your enemies, right at core. To, to say, if they, if they come to me, I'm not going to refuse to help them. Now, here's the second thing. There's justice if they don't. Because one day, they will give an account of themselves before God, and they won't have a saviour. So either way, we get justice. I don't know if you've ever thought of it like that before. But justice isn't the issue. Letting it go is the issue. And the way we can let it go is to pray that God deals with it and hand it to him and close the book. And leave it there. Like you've left daffodils on the cross today, <coughs> I want you now, I just want you to... And, this isn't spooky, and I didn't plan to do this, but just imagine that's the person or persons that hurt you. And you just leave them there. You're not going to take your daffodils back off that cross. And in the same way, when we give people to God, we don't take it back. We don't take them back. We leave it to him. You see, he's the only one who is wise enough, clever enough, and worthy enough to judge anybody. What good does it do us to hold a grudge? And I know you'll all have heard this quote, but there's this quote that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. They're not affected by your unforgiveness. They don't even know you're not forgiving them. But it's poisoning you. So you want to be able to walk free of it. And the way to do that is the way that Jesus said, which is pray for those who hurt you and forgive as you've been forgiven. By giving it over to God. Giving them over to God, closing the book, leaving it to him, and letting him give you a new life. Because the resurrection is about setting the dead free. It's about setting the prisoner free. And you are that prisoner that is bound up with this stuff, and you need to walk free. And just as Jesus left all our sins dealt with at the cross, we leave that hurt dealt with at the cross. And we let him change us so that we can live free of that. You see, the good news about the resurrection is the past cannot 
determine your future if you take a hold of the power of God in your life. You have a brand new day every day where you can walk free. And you leave it to God to sort it out and let him heal your heart. Meanwhile, don't be afraid. Leave it there and step out into a new life, a new future, a new hope. Confident that God can do more than you could ever ask or imagine. You see, we sang that song, didn't we? Happy day when God, when Jesus washed my sins away. They're gone. And that's what we want for everybody, isn't it? We want justice and Jesus gave justice at the cross. And he gave justice for what I've done, what you've done, what everybody's done by dying for us because he loves us. Let's stand. Worship team, can you come back up? I'm going, to, I'm going to pray, and uh, I'm going to pray over you. If you don't, if you don't know Jesus, we, we don't often do this. We don't do this every week, and I'm not putting you on the spot. If you don't know Jesus, or you've been away from God for a long time, and you want to like, get, your, get your relationship back on track with him, either of those, we're going to have um, some members of the worship team here at the end of the worship, and you can come and talk to them and pray with them. Sorry, not worship team, prayer team. And you can come and talk to them, and they'll pray with you and help you understand and how you can start that relationship with Jesus or renew that relationship with Jesus. But right now, I'm just going to pray, and then we're going to um, celebrate the victory of Christ, the new life that he gives you, the ability of, of having his spirit within you that can turn around everything in your life and, and gives you the ability to leave the stuff to God that is his and live the new life that he has for you. So, Father, right now, I thank you. I thank you for the complete victory of the cross. I thank you for that you died for me, that you forgave me. You took all the judgment, all the pain, all the sickness, all everything that I have done wrong and you took it upon yourself and you suffered the judgment of that so that I could walk free. Not based on what I do, but based on what you do because you love me and you love me unconditionally and I thank you, Jesus, for that and I celebrate that for, for, from you and I thank you and praise you for that. And right now, Lord, I choose to turn my heart anew towards you to uh, receive new life, to receive your spirit, to receive your uh, power and strength and life and energy in me and your wisdom. And Lord, I pray that you will root me, root my heart and ground my heart in love. In Jesus' name. Amen.